Hey, podcast listener. Are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Because the focus is so much on the deliverable. And then when they want to grow their business or you know have time for themselves personally, they don't have it because that deliverable is taking up all their time. Welcome to Epic Business Growth for CPAs. My name is Geraldine Carter, founder of She Thinks Big Coaching. This is the place to be if you're a CPA who wants to grow your accounting practice. Weekly episodes are full of strategies and action steps that create a clear path for growth without working harder. Time to get inspired and grow your business. Hi everyone, my guest today is Billy Ann Grigg. Billy Ann is the lead technical guide at Profit First Professionals, where she helps accountants, bookkeepers, and financial coaches learn how to leverage the Profit First brand and principles to stand out from their competitors, become more profitable, and transition to a more consultative role with their clients. She's also the founder of Pocket Protector Bookkeeping and a frequent contributor to financial and industry blogs, including Fundera Ledger and Accounting Web. I wanted to interview Billy Ann today because she is a master at time blocking her calendar. And what I've noticed in my interactions with her is that every time we talk, she arrives a few minutes early, she's settled and prepared, and she's ready to get started on time. Now, this stands out to me because I would say it's not the majority of people who arrive to calls like this, and it's definitely not always me. Managing my own time has always been a struggle for me, and I would like to think that over the years I've gotten better at it. And I'm aware that I still have improvements to make. (laughs) My hubs, who's really good at being on time, once said to me in the most honest and compassionate way, he goes, sweetie, time management is just one of those things that most people learn to do as they become adults. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. I, I took that in a number of ways. Hopefully some of them are the ways which he intended. And a way that I think about it is that some people are born with internal clocks and they're good at it naturally without too much effort. Sort of like the way some people have a really great internal sense of direction, like they were born with some internal compass and you can drop them down somewhere with a blindfold, spin them around three times, take off the blindfold and they know where they are. And that's me. I have a great sense of direction, but I never got one of those internal clocks. And I don't let that be an excuse for not improving at my own management of time. I tell you all this because I want you to know that one, I'm not perfect, just in case you were under that illusion. 
Two, it is something that I genuinely work on. And three, it's something that I know many of my clients find challenging. And I know this because probably 25% of them arrive to meetings on time, settled and prepared. Half of them arrive on time and prepared, but maybe not settled. And about a quarter of them are anywhere from a few to a handful of minutes late. So many of us have this challenge. So why not learn from somebody who really has it dialed in and see what we can take from what she does and implement it in our own lives? I also thought Billy Ann would be great because in her work, she works closely with 65 accountants, bookkeepers, CPAs, and business coaches. I thought surely there would be some patterns across those people that would be useful to know about and share. So with that, here's Billy Ann Grigg of Profit First Professionals. Billy Ann, welcome to the Epic Business Growth for CPAs podcast. Thank you, Geraldine. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you. And I'm here also, full disclosure, with my sniffles and my cough, because now it's wintertime and that's what happens. So we're just going to roll with it. And what we're talking about today is time blocking and doing things like creating your ideal week to free up time. I want to back up, though, and talk about how we know each other. We were introduced by a mutual colleague, Nikki Rausch, the inimitable Nikki Rausch, who has been on my podcast twice. And I know that she was on the GMAP podcast and she made a really nice connection for me to get into the Profit First community. So I'm happy to be connected with you. Thank you, Geraldine. Yeah, Nikki's great. I'm happy she connected us too. And then um, recently I did a deep dive training for your Profit First professionals. Mm -hmm, That was really fun. Yeah. Yep. For your mastery members, that was really fun to connect. And then as part of that conversation, you and I were talking about having you come on the podcast just because you talk to so many CPAs, accountants, bookkeepers, and business coaches that we were looking for an angle in terms of what you see that they either do well or don't do well and could use some help with. And we were talking about how much time blocking saves us time and gets us organized and kind of keeps us sane. Right. Yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about today, both for you and for the profit first professionals that you guide. So before we jump into how time blocking has helped you and helped your profit first professionals and helped me, let's talk about what it is. So what is time blocking to you in your business and how do you use it? Time blocking is kind of like the chart of accounts for time in my business. So what that means is there is a place for everything, for every maybe not every minute, but at least every half hour of the day. Um, It's a way to take control of your schedule and your time without having your schedule and your time take control of you. Yeah. Who doesn't want that? (laughs) So say a little bit more about what that actually looks like. So I do what I call extreme time blocking to where from the time I get up in the morning to the time that I call it a day, it's blocked out on my calendar. Now, it's not always blocked out to where I'm not available, where people can schedule with me, but I have a framework to where I can look and see, okay, I know that even if my inbox is going crazy right now, I don't have to address it because there's time later in the day that I can work on it. Oh, what else do you find with time blocking? What are some other things like that? I'm on a personal level, self-care, exercise, that's huge. When I was trying to make it work with everything else going on, it didn't happen. When I put it on my calendar as an appointment and blocked it off, it started happening consistently. 
So is your day blocked, scheduled, calendared from the moment that you wake up like 6.30 a.m. all the way until 9.30 p.m.? Like do each of those things have sort of tasks and um, contexts assigned to them? Yeah, and some of it's more general. I mean, you know, after about 6 p.m., it's just family time, but it's there. And I know this is family time. Um, in the morning, it's, you know, my morning routine. I have a morning routine that I follow every day um, that makes sure that I'm taking care of myself and the important things that I need to do to nourish myself to be effective in my role as an employee and a business owner. Okay. So you're not like putting in your calendar shower from 6.15 to 6.30. No, nothing that extreme. No. You know what this <laughs> reminds me of? <laughs> I have a, for those of us who grew up with Sweet Pickles books, which yes. I now read to my own kiddos, there's Rest Rabbit Rest, <laughs> who has every <laughs> three minutes of his day blocked off. Mm-hmm. And the hippo can't even talk to him because the rabbit's like, no, dude, you can't talk to me until 6.28 when I'm cooking dinner. Sorry, come back later. Right, right. I remember this is not that necessarily. No, it's not anything that extreme, but there is something to be said for intentionally having rest periods in your day and in your calendar blocking. Um, It's too easy for us, especially business owners, to forget that that's important. But when we put it on our calendar, it becomes a priority. Yeah, this is going to be like hearsay. You can hear the people, they're like, what did she just say? Put rest on my calendar? I'm allowed to do that? So how much rest do you put in your calendar? Um, Well, weekends for sure. Now, not every weekend because I do have other things that I like to do. And sometimes the weekend is just the most appropriate time to do it. So if I'm writing a blog post or something, that might get pushed to the weekend. But it's not all weekend. There's a block of time that, you know, on Saturday, this is when I'm doing my writing. Also get you out of that procrastination because of perfectionism thing. So if you have Mm. two hours to write or two hours to do client work or whatever the thing is, you're going to get it done. Um, And then, you know, rest throughout the day. My lunch is blocked off. Um, I'm not perfect on it. Occasionally, I will let something else creep in for 30 minutes of my lunchtime. But that's important to get up and get away and have that rest throughout the day. Yeah. When I lived in France, they, um, they always stop for lunch and businesses close <laughs> and it was, it was a struggle to get used to. I'm like, what you people stop for 30 minutes. How do you do this? <laughs> and then now when I come back here, I'm like, what you people don't stop for lunch. How do you do this? Right. Yeah. So compared to when you don't time block or when you didn't time block, what do you find is the impact to you and your business and in your life? Um, I lose all my peace of mind when I don't time block. Uh, Mm. Yeah. yeah. Tell us more. It, it's like being in a, a little rowboat out in the middle of an ocean where there's a hurricane coming in and you have absolutely <laughs> no control over anything that's happening. And you're just holding on with both hands, hoping your boat doesn't capsize. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that visual. And it just goes, it just gets blown by the wind. Right. Right. Yeah. You yeah. don't even have a rudder. No, no, you have nothing. And you're just holding on for dear life and hoping that you survive the storm. So one of the things that people will resist about time blocking is this idea of feeling constrained. Mm, mm -hmm. And I think that what you're pointing to is that when you do time block, it's really freeing. It's very freeing to time block. What would you say the impact is to you in your business in terms of like efficacy and actual finances? Um, You know, things are actually better. So in in the business um, and with Profit First Professionals both, there's a capacity to get a lot more done, even though it seems like 
there's less time available. So it's kind of playing on Parkinson's law. If anybody's familiar with that, you know, work expands to, uh, to fill the available time. Um, it's totally the same kind of thing. But then also it's important to make sure that you've blocked in not just income generating activities, but also your business development activities, any strategic initiatives that you're working on, those things that fall by the wayside because you're so busy delivering to clients, getting the work done, um, making sure that you're having all the phone calls that you need to have. Um, it all still happens when you time block. It just happens in a much more orderly fashion, which, I mean, as a bookkeeper myself, that really appeals to me, having that order. How do you sort of look at your calendar and begin to put pieces in place? Um, I, I start by scheduling my priorities, um, meaning that the things that I know I need to do to be effective, that self-care, um, that goes in first, um, followed by family commitments. You know, that's the next thing. If I've made a commitment to one of my kids that I'm going to do something with them a certain day of the week for an hour, that goes on the calendar. So those things go in first. Um, after that, after the personal piece is taken care of and the self-care, then we can go into the business. Um, and I, I still like to focus on the things that earn revenue first. So um, not necessarily, okay, now I have to do a bank reconciliation or I have to do this other client deliverable, but what are the things that are going to make money in the business? Um, get those scheduled in. And it doesn't have to be exact. I like to time block for, um, for an extended period of time and have kind of a set schedule for a few months at a time. And that does change every so often, of course, because priorities shift. Um, but I can say, okay, for this two-hour period, I'm going to work on this particular income-generating activity. Um, and then business development. That business development has to go in. And I struggle sometimes about where does that fit? Does that go before or after money-making activities? And I really think you have to have the money-making activities in first or else you don't really have a business to develop. Yeah, and I hear people argue this in both directions, right? You've got to have the money-making activities in there first, otherwise you don't have a business. And people on the other side will say, well, if you don't generate business, then you won't have a business. Right. And I wonder if there's room, what I've come down to is, I don't like dissonance. So I think that there just needs to be both period. <laughs> and there's, I, I think and, there does. and there's yeah. really, there's room in your calendar for both, right? So we don't even have to answer the question, which one should come first. They both have to go in there. They both have to go in there. Maybe the weighting of them depends on where you are in business. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. Whatever phase of business you're in. And if you're in a growth phase phase, then you need to be in that business development space to really generate that work. And then, you know, there comes a time where, okay, well now you have to deliver on what you've sold because the sales cycle isn't complete until you deliver. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so then maybe you have to switch a little bit. Um, it can also be a good indicator of now it's time to scale up my business. Right. And there's another piece in there that doing excellent work for clients is business development. Absolutely. Right. And we want, we want return clients and we want referrals and we get those by doing excellent work. So mm -hmm. if we can keep 80 for 85% of our clients at any given time, then by doing excellent work, then that means that we can spend a bit less time focused on generating new business, which is harder to acquire. Right. Okay. So we put in business delivery, we put in business development, and then what, then what do you put in next? Um, those are the three areas that I focus on. Um, Wait, business delivery, business development, and then what's personal, the third? The personal. Um, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I think of my own from sort of 
8.30 when I clock in to 4.30 when I clock out. And the, the personal is all scheduled as well, but I guess I don't think of it in terms of, for myself, I sort of like compartmentalize right. the business day, but I'm with you. Um, and the personal stuff, like especially the exercise, oh my God, if that doesn't get calendared in, forget it. And my calendar anyways, if it gets calendared in after noon, <laughs> we're looking at like a 60% chance at best. Because the more the day goes, the more I'm like working hard to corral and keep things on the rails. You know, that's a good point too, because our motivation, we only have so much motivation available to us in a day. So it's important whenever you're doing your time blocking to make sure that those tasks that maybe you don't really want to do or those things that you're going to be more resistant to get scheduled during your peak times. For a lot of people, that's earlier in the day. Some people wake up afternoon. That's okay too. You just have to figure out what works best for you. Yes, very much. And I always say to my clients that there's a reason there is not a single seminal book on time management and time blocking. It's because there isn't one answer, right? All those books come from people who have figured it out for themselves and then they go on to write a book about it. It's like the same reason that there's not a single book on how to get your child to sleep. Like there's 50,000 of them <laughs> because nobody has the real answer. There is no one answer. So it's, a, it's very much a process of, um, of trying something and then committing to it for a couple of weeks, if not a couple of months, measuring what works, measuring what doesn't work, what you need less time for, what you need more time for, when that stuff needs to go in your calendar and then iterating. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if that's been the same for you. Yeah, that's a good point too, because this isn't really a set it and forget it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's not something that you're going to say, okay, I'm time blocking now. And suddenly everything's better because <laughs> for one thing, most of us have commitments and things scheduled out a couple of weeks and sometimes a couple of months in advance. So there's going to be some wiggle room there at the beginning. Um, and also like any kind of change that you make, you're not going to see the results immediately. Um, and it's going to be uncomfortable. Even if it's positive change, it's uncomfortable because it's change. So there does have to definitely be a grace period. You have to commit to, okay, I'm going to try this for at least four weeks. Um, and then give yourself the permission to say, okay, well now this aspect isn't working, but maybe if I tweak this, that will work better for me. And then the process kind of starts over, right? Because now you've just made another change and you've already got commitments out a couple of weeks. So, um, it's definitely a, a an adjust, a, you know, test, adjust, um, test again, sort of thing. It's not like when you time block that you are set in stone for the rest of your life that this is what you're going to be doing. You can change it. It's your life. It's your calendar. Um, so you do have the freedom to change that. How closely do you stick to it when an opportunity comes your way? And the person says to you, I can meet with you at two o'clock on a Tuesday. And you're like, Ooh, that's blocked for content creation. Yeah, I can meet you then. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, okay, here's an interesting thing. It depends on the opportunity. Um, because if you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. And it's so easy to, to kind of feel flattered when somebody comes to you with an opportunity to say yes right away and not look at the overall goals that you have for yourself and your business. So I think the first thing to do is to look at something like that and say, okay, does this fit in my overall vision for what I'm trying to do, either business or personally? If the answer to that is yes, then you look at your calendar and say, can I move that content creation, for example, can I move that 
up in the day or back in the day to where maybe I would have had time scheduled to have a call like this. Maybe I just flip flop some things in my calendar. If the calendar is full, then you say, all right, is there another day that I can shift this to? And if that's also a no, then you have to reweigh how important is it for me to do this content creation this week, as opposed to having this uh, conversation with this person presenting me with an opportunity. That's a great way to think about it is to put it in the, in the frame of the big picture to be like, where does this actually fit? It seems flattering in the moment, but Mm -hmm. once I give it some time and thought, how much do I actually want this? Yeah, there does have to be some non-negotiable space in your calendar too, though. And for me, that comes back to those personal things, um, that these are non-negotiables, just because I know how negatively I'm impacted and my work is impacted if I start compromising there. Hmm. Um, How can you tell when you're being impacted? Um, I I feel it, uh, again, kind of back to that boat in the ocean sort of thing. I I can feel it when I'm starting to... um, to lose my direction. Um, and when I've let other things take on, um, take the priority, um, rather than giving priority where it really belongs. So how else do you handle the sort of unexpected, you know, maybe not just the, the opportunity, the flattering invite for lunch that comes your way, but, um, like fires, how much do you have time blocked in your calendar for fires or do you have margin or how do you, how do you accommodate for that? So there, there is some time blocked in my calendar um, every day. I call it PRN. It comes back from when I used to be a pharmacy technician, you know, as needed, PRN on a prescription. Um, so Wait, that's, PRN what? Yeah, PRN. Um, if you look at a prescription, sometimes it will say PRN on it, and that means as needed, which is kind of my wiggle room time um, in my day. As far as work emergencies go, there, there really aren't any accounting emergencies that you don't see coming. <laughs> <laughs> we're not, we're not talking about um, like heart surgery or anything here. Yeah. No one's going to die um, if something doesn't get handled right away. Now there are some things that have urgency and there are times that that can come along and derail your schedule. But again, you kind of have to look at it from the perspective of, is this worth compromising my schedule for, or is this something that I can schedule later? and handle in a more, um, more ordered manner, uh, more thoughtful manner, and really a more productive manner. Okay. Because I can hear my own clients protesting and saying that they want to deliver excellent customer service to their clients. And if their clients have a fire that, they, that my clients would want to get back to their clients as quickly as possible, and they'd probably jettison whatever priority they had in favor of delivering top-notch customer service. Mm, well, but you have to consider too that you're teaching your clients how to treat you. So what was the cause of the fire? If the cause of the fire was that the client left the stove on um, by sitting on IRS notices that have been coming in for the past three months, and now suddenly there's an auditor at the door, that's kind of a fire of their own making. Um, Doesn't mean that you don't respond, but maybe the response is, this is not something that I can manage right now, but here is an alternative time that I can work on it for you. Typically, that's not going to happen. You're not going to have an auditor standing at the door of your client's office. They're going to have some sort of notification in advance. Um, Probably the biggest fire that I've ever encountered is something with payroll. 
Um, and that will be when there's been an error in the payroll processing and someone didn't get paid on time, an employee didn't get paid on time. That is a drop everything situation and take care of this because uh, I don't mess around with other people's money. So that is something where I'll say, okay, this is an emergency and I will deal with it and then push everything back down. Um, but again, it's a matter of us teaching our clients how to treat us and we want to treat them well, but at the same time, it's very easy to drop everything and enable the client to continue not making the best decisions when it comes to managing their business and their financial affairs. Right. So you end up sort of compensating for the fact that they might be disorganized or whatever. Yes. Okay. And then rather than push back and be like, <clears throat> I'm sorry, but that sounds like a you problem <laughs> right? in the nicest possible way. <laughs> Um, we allow it to become an us problem and continue to be an us problem. Right. And then what does that do? That, that aggravates us. We get annoyed with the client. It compromises the relationship with the client. They become one of those PETA clients that we don't like, right? Uh -huh. um, and, and then we have negative feelings toward the client. From the client's perspective, they just know they had a problem and you solved it for them and they are not see they're not learning from it at all that oh this is a better way to handle it so you're not saying no i'm not going to handle this for you you're saying i'm not going to drop everything right now but i can tell you when i am going to help you manage this yeah okay and i would add to that um sticking simply to the positive and saying i can help you manage that at three o'clock today. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to tell them, you know, oh, I can't do that now. Um, unless <laughs> that's what you have to do to get it, you know, right. get through to them. Maybe on the third time when you're not listening, when they're not hearing you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I love that. Okay. This is great because I can hear a lot of my clients sort of pushing back and protesting and being like, but, 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 but. <laughs> What about when a client comes to their CPA and is asking for numbers or financials for, say, a board meeting or um, they're having a meeting with their partner or they're about to go to the bank for a commercial loan and they haven't gotten ahead of it and they need their numbers. So what do you say to them in that moment? I mean, that feels like pretty urgent for the client on their behalf. And like you say, we are training them how to treat us. So, but yet it's important, like say they're going to the bank to meet with a lender. Mm -hmm. So then what? So um, again, they didn't just wake up that morning or find out five minutes ago that that's what was going to happen. Right. They've known for a while. <laughs> right. um, I, I've always addressed this in my engagement letter and said, okay, here is when I'm going to be working on your books every week, month, whatever. Um, this is when you can expect for me to be working on any special requests you have. However, if you have a special request that is urgent, then I can fulfill that for you. Here is the additional investment that you will make in order to do that. So if I'm going to be dropping things or pushing priorities, and again, it's typically because the client did not plan in advance, then there's going to be a monetary compensation for me to do so. Um, Oh. I, I didn't always do that. The first few years I was in business, I didn't have that in there. And what I found was um, when I put that in there, the emergency request stopped. And I, only once or twice have I had to put, um, had to assess that. And it was really actually a situation that was pretty, um, it, it wasn't completely unforeseen, but it was important enough that the client said, you know what, I'm more than happy to pay your rush fee for this. Um, let's just get it done. So you have a rush fee. I love that. How much was it? 
actually it's pretty minimal. It's a hundred dollars. And if I had, if I were doing it over again, I would make it 500. Um, but I haven't felt the need to because nobody's really pushed on it. Nobody's ever said, oh, okay, yeah, $100, that's nothing. It's enough that they stop and they think about it. Um, but again, I mean, it's one of those things that at the very beginning of the relationship, we cover the engagement letter and I'm teaching them how I want to be treated. Um, so they know, okay, I have a meeting with my banker in a week. I need to let Billy Ann know that I need my financials by this time on this day. So this is really around, well, number one, setting up the boundaries at the start of the engagement mm-hmm. so that it's clear to you and clear to them what's expected of who and when. Mm-hmm. And for the person who doesn't have this kind of engagement letter requires that they have a fairly stiff spine when people push back and say, you know, can I have this or that now, please, or by the end of today or whatever. Some people are pushier than others and will press mm-hmm. more than others. And what it's asking is for for people to have a stiff spine, not an rigid, but just stiff and strong to be like, actually, here's what I can do for you. Right. And to and to not just like buckle at the knees at the first sort of tap on the shoulder. And the other thing that I'm hearing is much, much less of this sort of last minute, I need this, I need that kind of requests. Yes. I love it. I love it. Let's talk about the 65 profit first professionals who you guide. Okay. There have to be some patterns in terms of what you see with the challenges that people face when it comes to managing their time, blocking it appropriately, having enough time for clients, having enough for business development, having enough for administrative stuff that isn't able yet to get delegated and so on. So I'm curious to know, what are some of the really common things you see them doing to their own detriment when it comes to their time? Um, Yeah, I mean, since Profit First Professionals are those accountants, bookkeepers, and financial coaches, um, a lot of what we've already talked about. So they're bending over backwards for clients, usually for not enough money. Um, You know, that could be a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. Yes, totally. (laughs) Make sure that you're pricing according to your value. Um, But they, they don't have control over their day or they don't feel like they have control over their day because they have so much work. And so many clients demanding things of them. And as you've mentioned before, they want to provide that excellent service. But the blind spot is they can't provide that excellent service without a structure for themselves that makes sure that they're putting on their own oxygen mask first and taking care of their business. And if they have a team, their team um, and running the business in a way that supports them and their team, but also still supports the clients. Yeah. Would you say that for accountants and bookkeepers, that there are some fairly typical allotments of time that they should dedicate to certain categories of things? Mm -hmm, Definitely. Um, There needs to be time blocked, I would say specifically for client communication. Now that can be phone calls with clients. In fact, it should be two different things. So there should be time available on your calendar um, for clients to schedule calls with you. A, A mistake that I see a lot is here's my calendar, here's my scheduling link. And there's no time blocking on the calendar at all. So if there's not anything scheduled, the client can come in and schedule time to talk to you at any time. What the client sees is, oh my gosh, my accountant or my bookkeeper is so available. I can talk to them anytime. What the accountant or bookkeeper sees is, hmm, I had two hours to work on something, but now I've had a client pop in and take part of that time right in the middle of it. So now that's all broken up. 
Um, so yeah. that time that's available to your clients and your sales prospects to schedule with you needs to be blocked in a certain way on your calendar to where it shows up on your scheduling link. But then what you're seeing is, um, okay, I have this period of time that I can either have a client schedule with me, have a sales call schedule with me, or I can schedule a call to speak with a client at that time. Um, so typically, whenever I'm working on time blocking with a, an accountant or a bookkeeper, a PFP, I ask them to pick a couple of time blocks a week or a few time blocks a week where they want to be available for client calls. That doesn't mean that you don't ever take a call outside of those times. Uh, that's where the as needed time or the PRN time comes in where you can slot someone in. Um, so have that available on your calendar. Um, and then, you know, definitely have time scheduled for your business development, um, content creation, uh, your continuing education. Oh my gosh, so many accountants are coming up to the end of the year and they don't have their CE hours. And then they're spending Thanksgiving break just binging on videos to get those continuing education hours. So make sure that you've got the time blocked for that as well. Um, and then of course, time for yourself. If you don't have lunch blocked on your calendar every day, put an hour for yourself, or at least 30 minutes, but an hour is better on your calendar where no one can schedule. So you can get up and walk away, take a little bit of a walk, even if it's cold outside and then come back refreshed. So in terms of percentages, do you, do you see sort of typical allocations like 50% of your week to client time, 20% to business development, 10% to admin whatever the remaining math is, 20% for client communications and meetings? Like, do you see fairly typical patterns in terms of the amount of allocation for those things? Um, not really, just because I'm working with a bunch of professionals at different phases in their business. Okay. So when you're starting out, if you have, if it's just you, you're a solopreneur, maybe you plus a VA, um, then a lot of your time is going to go to delivery. Um, and a lot of times also going to go to marketing. Um, I would say the first thing that you need to delegate is admin work. So if you have a bunch of time blocked off for admin, you know, more than a couple of hours a week, then you need to be looking at getting a VA or an administrative assistant because that is stuff that has to be done, but it's not making you any money. Um, so get, get that off your plate and focus on the things that can make you money or serve your client. Excellent. And then as you scale up, so talk about the next level up once you kind of rise out of solopreneur plus VA. Yeah. Once you get past solopreneur plus VA, um, you have to have time blocked off to manage your employee. Um, so mm, totally. Oh my gosh. A mistake that I made myself early on is I hired an employee and I thought, okay, great. Now I can fill up that time with other things. Not thinking, oh no, I still have to manage this person and review their work. So um, when the first quarter rolled around and I was reviewing things and realizing I should have been reviewing this throughout, now I had a problem because I'd already filled up that time with, with business development, with other higher level consulting work and that sort of thing. So um, definitely when you scale up and you, you hire an employee, now you have to have time to manage the employee, to communicate with the employee, um, make sure that you're available to answer their questions, but not all the time. Um, otherwise, yep. that employee is going to be coming to you all the time. Have an office hour a day or an office hour a few times a week and say, I'm available to answer your questions here, here, and here. And, and then as you continue to grow, then you can start reallocating time. So you know, maybe eventually you get to a point where you have an employee who manages your other employees. You still have to manage the employee who's managing the employees. So it's a constant uh, adjustment. 
Yeah. I remember the first time I hired somebody that I was totally taken aback by how much time was required, not just to train him, but sort of to keep him rolling throughout the day. And once he got up to speed and once I caught on to the fact that it would be good for me to schedule intermittent times to check in with him, then I got a lot smoother. Right. But I remember being like, oh, wow, like I can't just delegate and forget it. I've got to manage this person. Right. Something that a lot of business owners forget is we are wired a little bit differently than your typical employee. So even if we've had jobs in the past, we've typically gone in and taken ownership of the job and just made things work. Not everyone is wired that way. Um, and that's where we can get into some, some challenges because we expect them to behave like us, come in, take ownership, figure it out and do it. And they're, say, they're sitting there thinking, I need some direction and some help and this person isn't available to help me. Yes, that is absolutely the truth. We do forget that as entrepreneurs, we think a little bit differently about problem solving and, mm-hmm. and, and our own capabilities. And then from their standpoint, they also, they have a concern about wanting to do a good job and making sure that they're doing it right. Yeah. So they don't want to be on too long a leash. Right. <laughs> yeah. Billy Ann, this has been so great. And I'm also looking at the time and it's 48. So we have 12 minutes left before your time block shifts over to something else. <laughs> so, and I also don't want you to be in a position where you have to run from one thing to the next, right? So let's end with that because I know so many people who book back to back to back to back stuff without any breathing room or cushion. Mm-hmm. So what do you find works for people in terms of cushion in between meetings, phone calls, and so on? Um, That's a really good question. So definitely use a scheduler, a scheduling link that allows you to build in buffer time. Um, So the scheduling link that I use, I use Acuity. Um, I can set up 45 minutes 45-minute meetings with a 15-minute buffer afterwards. That gives me time to document after the call use the restroom, get a drink of water if I need to, and then be back and ready for my next call. Um, Also, when you're doing your blocking, if you're blocking out a couple of hours a day for client interaction, make sure that you put a little buffer in there just on your calendar too. Don't don't rely exclusively on your scheduling link um, because if you have 30 minute calls, you know, 30 minute calls back to back for two hours, that's a lot of phone calls. And then you're running, 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 running. So give yourself a little bit of grace period in there too, to transition between what you're doing. Mm, I love that. This has been so helpful, Billy Ann. Thank you so much for coming on the Epic Business Growth for CPAs podcast. Thanks, Geraldine. I love being here. Thank you so much, Billy Ann, for coming on the podcast. It's really helpful for me to see how people who are really good at time management and time blocking do it. There were a number of takeaways that I'll be thinking about for my own calendar. The main thing is that time blocking really helps me be realistic about my time because I can sure operate in wishful thinking when it comes to how long things take in real reality, as opposed to my wishful reality. And when I time block, it shows me where my thinking is flawed. Because what I do is at the end of the day, I go back and adjust my calendar to what actually happened compared to how I thought it would happen. And that helps me plan for the next time. It shows me how long things actually took. It also helps me let go of quote unquote, getting it all done. Because when I've planned my time thoughtfully in advance, then I know that I'm doing the right activities. I've already given it thought, made my choices, and blocked it out so I can stop second-guessing myself in the moment. When things I want to get done don't get gotten to, (laughs) 
don't get gotten to really? Yeah. When things I want to get done, don't get gotten to like that LinkedIn article I wanted to write last week. I know it's okay to let it go. Another opportunity will come around two weeks from now and I can try again to write it. But I know that if I didn't finish it on Wednesday, I'm not going to add it to Thursday to finish it up. Thursday is for clients. On behalf of my own clients, key takeaways were around having a rush fee. I love this idea of protecting your time. And if somebody needs something badly, badly enough, and it requires of you that you drop what you're doing, make it worthwhile for you. The second one was having an engagement letter that clearly spells out how this relationship is going to roll. I had a conversation recently with a local bookkeeper and she said the biggest challenge in her business was training people how she wants to be treated. And this idea of having an engagement letter saves you so much heartache for having to train them after the fact once the dynamic is already in place. You can set the dynamic at the outset. And the third thing was not being open to taking calls all the time. The more you're open to take calls all the time, the more your time and attention is going to get fragmented. And if you remember defragging your computer because files were stored in all different places all over the hard drive and it was taking up a bunch of memory, that's what being open for client calls all the time does to your time and attention. If you want to learn more about Billy Ann Grigg and Profit First Professionals, you can check them out at ProfitFirstProfessionals.com. And last thing, I have a couple more webinars and workshops coming up before the end of the year. So if you're listening in real time, November is how to set up your ideal week. And December is around adding advisory services. You can find out more about these at my website, shethinksbigcoaching.com. That's it from me, everyone. See you next week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.